2: Welcome to My Weekly Mixtape, a podcast that takes the classic mixtape approach to building a modern playlist. I'm your host, Brian Colburn. Joining me tonight as guest curator is Jamie DeTringo, lead guitarist and vocalist for The Seas. Jamie, thank you so much for joining me on My Weekly Mixtape, man. Thanks for having me, Brian. Excited to be here. Well, I'd like to start by asking you the same question I ask all of my first-time guests, and that is, what does the word mixtape mean to you?
0: That is such a good question of decades of actual mixtapes from physical tapes to CDs to MP3 mixes, but anything is just a collection, a smorgasbord, if you will. (laughs) could be different songs, artists, genres, types, filling up a side A and a side B and then so on and so forth as in the parlance of our times into technology of, of CDs. But yeah, just a random collection of material most of the time.
2: And tonight we'll fall under that random-esque nature because we are talking number one hits of the 1990s. So this is very similar to episode 48, number one hits of the 1980s with Patreon mixtaper Ben Checkness. There's going to be no deep cuts tonight. We're only talking banger after banger after banger. Remember, the deepest of cuts we can pick tonight are number one songs that only lasted... One week on the chart. So even then, it's still a number one hit. So trivia time, something everyone out there can use next time it pops up on Jeopardy. How many songs reached number one throughout the 1990s? Jamie, do you care to even wager a guess at that one?
0: Say number one songs to the 90s, nine years, call it 105. You are actually pretty close. The answer is
2: 140. Okay. But that's really close. Tonight, you and I are tasked with whittling down 140 songs to 20 of the best.
0: How do you feel about that? I'm into it. I love to go back to the, the, the impressionist years of the 90s of the growth of myself <laughs> through, through the proxy of music and, and MTV and, and radio.
2: Fantastic. Well, tonight, as I mentioned at the top of the show, Jamie and I will be curating a number one hits of the 1990s mixtape, and we'll use the old cassette deck approach. Jamie, as my special guest, will begin Side A with his first song choice, and then I'll add a song that I feel best follows up that choice. We'll then flip-flop choosing songs until we've mapped out 10 songs for Side A. We'll then give our mixtape a proverbial flip, and then we'll map outside, be only this time I'll kick things off with Jamie choosing second. Our overall goal for this episode is to craft the best number one hits of the 1990s mixtape possible through only 20 songs. And at the end of the show, you can take our conversation to the next level by visiting the episode page at myweeklymixtape.com, where you can give our final mixtape a listen via the embedded playlist. And if you like what you're hearing on the show, you can help me out by either telling a friend, leaving the show a five star review wherever you're tuning in, or becoming a Patreon mixtaper at patreon.com forward slash my weekly mixtape. And a few Patreon mixtapers chimed in with what they think we should kick off our playlist with. And I want to give a shout out to a few of those. Tom Hutchinson said, One Week by the Bare Naked Ladies, as it was number one for One Week in 1998, which I immediately replied to him, isn't that ironic, don't you think? However, that only reached number four on the charts, so that killed my joke. Chad LaMassa first expressed his shock that Nirvana's Smells Like Teen Spirit never made it to number one, along with the fact that not one of the big four Seattle bands, meaning Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, and Soundgarden had a number one hit, in the 1990s. So instead, he went with Coolio's Gangster's Paradise. Ben from the Too Vague podcast feels like he should have used his pick for this episode for next week's 90s Canadian Artists episode, and that is Snow's Informer, which spent seven weeks at number one, something he calls mind-boggling. But then he proceeded to share with me the fact that Snow recorded the hold music for Yahoo!, And it's available on YouTube. So if you head over to the episode page at myweeklymixtape.com, I'm going to embed this because you need to hear this hold music. It's the greatest hold music. Like if we ever did an episode on the greatest hold music songs of all time, it would be this song 20 times in a row. Seeker chimed in from Australia saying, since I'm Australian, I'm using the ARIA charts and will nominate Tomorrow by Silverchair, which was number one for six weeks in 1994. That just makes me wonder how the hell the song didn't chart higher in the U.S. because I love that tune. And finally, Philip Bergman chimed in with London Beats, I've Been Thinking About You. And somewhere on his list is Timmy T's One More Try, and he's hoping he's not the only one who liked that song. And I will go as far as to say that after he posted that, I went on social media because I hadn't heard that song in a long time. So I queued it up and gave it a listen. And strangely enough, I don't remember any point in my life when I sat down and listened to Timmy T's One More Try from start to finish. It may have played at school dances or other events I was at, but I don't ever remember owning it or having it on any of my mixtapes. However, I knew every single word to that song and a lot of people chimed in with their love of the track and the whole story behind it which is truly fascinating if you don't know the story behind timmy t's one more try i highly suggest looking it up and going down a little wikipedia rabbit hole and reading up on that one it's it's really interesting So, Jamie, with that, I'm officially pressing the record button on our mixtape, and the floor is yours. Why don't you dive into the song you're choosing to kick off,
0: Side A? Thanks, Brian. And I think what's interesting, what I, I was thinking about for this mixtape, to go by the year, 1990, 91, 92, we each pick one from each year and flip it, because I think that really gets you into the flow of the Ooh. 90 hits. Maybe not things you might be listening to today and mass, but- it's kind of a uh, a throwback to go that way. What do you think about that approach?
2: You know what? What the hell? Let's go for that because that sounds like a lot of fun. I've got my song bank here. I am sure that there's at least two songs from every year of the decade in here. So
0: let's give that a try. 1990. Let's hear what you got. So I'm going to go with the anger of 1990 of Madonna Vogue. I would say coming out of the 80s for Madonna was obviously the rise of her of her power and hold on pop music and Vogue, just the contagious beat of that song and the videos of the early nineties. I think David Fincher might have directed that one. You are correct. But that song just still stays with your head with all the dance moves and all the flavors that (laughs) that came with that song.
2: Absolutely love Vogue. Look, I'm I'm not going to lie. When I was, I think I was like 11 or 12 at the time, we'd sit there watching the video D- of doing the hands around like you know <laughs> boxing your face man i guess that's what you'd call it but that song was so amazing because it was a throwback single for that dick tracy soundtrack i actually <laughs> like- really love that album it's called "I'm breathless she had that song hanky panky on there it was just this throwback sound and it really kind of reintroduced madonna at the time she was one of the biggest artists on the planet but It introduced her to some of the older crowd that may not have been into her like a prayer type pop sound at the time. So I love that pick. And now if I have to stay in 1990, you're killing me because that means I only get one song (laughs) from 1990. And I could go with Nelson's Can't Live Without Your Love and Affection, Roxette's It Must Have Been Love. I mean, God, Sinead O'Connor's Nothing Compares to You. One of the best covers of all time. It really is. It really is. But if I'm going to go with one song from 1990, and I can't believe I'm actually picking something over Nothing Compares to You. I just, there's something about this song that hits me so hard. And the way I discovered this song was actually through something at the New Jersey malls and the record shops in the late 80s, early 90s. They had a booth with a little book and it was called the personics station. And you would take this piece of paper and you'd go through the book and pick out songs and you'd write the number of the song down and then you'd bring it to the counter. And does this sound familiar? You'd pay 99 cents a song and they would record you a mixtape of all songs from the book. It was actually purchasing customized mixtapes with your own customized J card and liner notes. It was awesome. And every month they would give away a free song. And I brought up one of my cassettes to be made and I had the free song tucked on at the back. And the kid behind the counter just went, dude, can I give you one small bit of, of advice or however you want to take it? And I said, I'm game. And he goes, that free song, start to tape with this because you're going to be rocking this song <laughs> forever. It's just that good. And so kicking off one of my personics cassettes was Alana Miles' Black Velvet. Now, this is a song that for me, I know there's a little bit of a cheat going on here because the song was actually released in 89. But guess what? It didn't hit number one until 1990. So it absolutely counts. This song is bluesy. It's soulful. There's a touch of Southern rock and country. And yes, there's still a pop element to it. Because if you listen to the rest of Alana Miles' self-titled album, Black Velvet's kind of an outlier. But it's just such a perfect song to me. It's absolutely timeless and needs to be included in a number one hits of the 90s episode. Because sadly, I couldn't include this song in the 80s episode because it, again, did not become number one. Until 1990, so
0: Black Velvet by Alana Miles. Black Velvet. I mean, it's tough because there's so many songs. As we look over that list, I mean, Ice Ice Baby. That's maybe something I'm listening to today. But I mean, that tape was huge. Everyone <laughs> like Vanilla Ice was massive. But all these songs are just John Bon Jovi. Blaze of Glory was that the Young Guns 2 soundtrack? Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> Wilson Phillips, hold on. I mean, that's,
2: that's oh, so I mean, much. Look, you today. wouldn't have gotten
0: the Dan Band's version of hold on no, if
2: Wilson Phillips didn't no, do it first. not. So many bangers. So sticking with this, then we are going back to you for now 1991.
0: 1991, man. I mean, I'm just trying to think of like, what was I hearing at this time at 10 years old as I'm dating myself? I mean- CNC Music Factory gonna make you sweat. That's a thing. I mean, the Brian Adams "Everything I Do" I do it for you from the Robert Prince of Thieves soundtrack. I mean, how huge was that song? Speaking of malls, I mean, like a song like that you couldn't avoid. I mean, there's nope. So many amazing songs like "More Than Words" and "Extreme." But Brian Adams "Everything I Do" I do it for you. I mean, other than Kevin Costner not having a great English accent, <laughs> that movie's fantastic. Alan Rickman throwing a hundred miles per hour. And if it wasn't for that movie, you
2: wouldn't have gotten Robin Hood, Men in Tights. Let's be honest. Yeah, That's true. And with that, you would not have gotten Newfound Glory's incredible punk cover of Everything I Do, I Do It <laughs> for that
0: You. Is, that is very true.
2: Man, 91 is tough, man. This is really tough. There's so many cheese ball routes you could go to. Oh, my God. I mean, look, <laughs> more than words by extreme, I love the Porno Graffini album. I'm not going to lie. Oh, I, 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 that song is so amazing. The video, which Weird Al parodied in the You Don't Love Me Anymore video. I mean, it was an iconic video. Paul Abdul was everywhere in 91, Uh, like Rush Rush. That was a great ballad of hers that many people don't really remember because it never reached the massive stratospheric heights of every single from Forever Your Girl. But that song to me still holds up. It's still a great pop song. Michael Bolton. I mean, I mean, everything. (laughs) God, I am stuck between three songs right now. And if I can only pick one song that reminds me of 1991, I have to think about where I was in my life at this point. And I'm going to go back to my eighth grade dance and the song that everybody went nuts to the most during eighth grade, at least from the boys side was because Andrew Dice Clay was
0: on the track. And I am going to go with EMF's Unbelievable. Oh, unbelievable. That song was huge. Talk about like a one head wonder, like personified. In the
2: U.S., for sure. Although they had a second song from Schubert Dip called Lies that apparently cracked the top 20 on Billboard. I don't remember hearing it that often, but it did make a mark. In the U.K., they did have a string of hits. Throughout the early 90s, they're obviously a UK based band, so I'm not shocked there. But the only one that really made a splash in the US was obviously unbelievable. This song, I mean, just the sample of the, oh, like that 100%. was something that people went nuts for. And I feel like this song, if you play it now, it's still danceable, it's still fun, it oh, still holds of- up. Absolutely. And next up, going by. The format that you requested at the top of the show, we are moving into 1992. Now it gets a little bit harder because the choice of songs, because of some number one hit Reigns that went on for a very long time, your choice of songs is definitely shrinking down a lot here. So what do you got for 1992? It's
0: interesting that two of the big hits were covers. I mean, talk about like young dances. I mean, boys to Men, End of the Road. On the, the Boomerang soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, that one, I mean, one of the greatest soundtracks ever. I'm going to go, I got to go with that. You know, that is so of the parlance of the time of 1992. Boys to Men, that video. Yeah.
2: One of my favorite Boys to Men songs. And I'll just say it, probably one of my favorite ballads of the 90s. Uh, for
0: sure.
2: Just the harmonies are absolutely stunning in it the song is insanely catchy and it has such soul to it i mean look they had this and then they had i'll make love to you which was a like even bigger hit but at the time i was a lot younger end of the road resonated with my youth a lot more than i'll make love to you did in (laughs) in, you know early high school so (laughs) this is one of those songs that to this day it's still a vibe, and that's a hard thing to do, to have a song be so timeless that 30-something years later, it still immediately creates a mood in a completely different decade than when it was released. Now, I love the fact that Me First and the Gimme gimmies do a fun punk cover of it, mm-hmm. and I love the fact that this song just has this enduring, if this came out in the 70s, I'd buy that. Oh, absolutely. I'd buy that it came out in the 80s. The not, I'd buy that that song was released yesterday. It's timeless. Yeah, for sure.
0: Well, I think the interesting experiment of doing this exercise is you look at the songs and you're just like, your head spins and you've just going zapped <laughs> back mm-hmm. in the past because every single song has a different level of an emotional quality. If you were, you know, you could say that about any decade from whenever you were 10, 11, 12, impressionable you know prepubescent to puberty years yeah. how much of these songs are just like massive
2: and timeless too you think about like for sure. how jump by chris cross has been used in pop culture and movies and on tv shows I think back to I'm Too Sexy. How many movies has that been in? Zooland or all the different instances of that song. It's just you hear it and you immediately brings you back to 92. I got to mention Mr. Biggs to be with you because Billy Sheehan was one of the first guests on my weekly mixtape. And we talked about that song. And to this day, he's still thankful for it because he said, Actually, instead of giving the Cliff Notes version of this, I'm going to go back and play a small clip from episode 13, the ultimate Billy Sheehan playlist, because he talks about what to be with you means to both him and Mr. Big.
1: Mr. Big for me was uh, was my biggest success. And I came out of David Lee Roth. I didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, Precarious time. Didn't have a lot of money. And so I put a band together. I knew Pat and Paul. I found Eric. We got an amazing manager, Herbie Herbert, and we went after about two and a half years, we scored one of the most difficult things to achieve as a number one single. So that band beats everything to me. And, uh, we went through so many amazing adventures together. That song to be with you was our passport to the entire world. We played everywhere in Indonesia, Australia, Japan, all over Europe, all over South America. People worried that to be with you was gonna misrepresent Mr. Bake because most of our stuff is straight up rock and hard and heavy. And then we come out with this little campfire ballad, and they go, Oh, it's gonna be and they would say, Oh, you must be really pumped out. They go, Are you kidding me? I'm the happiest. And we pop champagne every day about that song. It's the greatest thing ever happened to any of us. We love that song. And I still do, and I love playing it. We look out over a thousand, ten thousand or more people, and the people are crying. You see tears out when we played that song. So that, as much as I love the flamboyant technical things and all that, that song was, uh, that, that means so much to me in so many ways.
2: Yeah, I would have been totally remiss if we didn't talk about To Be With You, especially after that amazing conversation. So go check out episode 13, the ultimate Billy Sheehan playlist to hear more about all the things he's done with Mr. Big, David Lee Roth, Thales, Niacin, the Winery Dog, Sons of Apollo. I can go on and on and on. One of my favorite bass players on the planet. However, back to Boys to Men here. Gone. The fact that Boys to Men's reign of 13 weeks ended with a theme song to the TV show of the moment. <laughs> the Heights. How do you talk uh, I- to an angel? was the song that knocked off End of the gotcha. Road. That's one of those songs where you think back and you go, that was a moment in time. I remember when The Heights was the big
0: deal. I've often thought about covering that song to get that real, how do you talk, do it, that, that that raspy thing of of that dude who it was he was on Melrose Place too. My wife is definitely more the television fanatic, but I
2: want to say it was Beverly Hills 90210. The dude's name was Jamie Walters, if I remember that part correctly, because that Waters, was the music yeah. side of things.
0: That's a prodigal son of early 90s Fox network television (laughs) oh god yeah
2: well out of all the songs from 1992 you picked one that was on the charts for 13 weeks and i feel like the only way to compliment there's no way yes it's a cover song but there's no way you could talk about 1992 and not talk about i will always love you from whitney houston from the bodyguard absolutely everybody i knew and their mom had this soundtrack this song was everywhere. And let's just be honest. I love Dolly Parton's version. It's an amazing song. Whitney's is just unreal. It is one of those songs that you listen to her voice and you think, how is this possible for her to take a song and just own it the way she does? And Dolly Parton is one of the most distinct and iconic voices in music history. And Whitney, just as effortless as all of her songs, just made it her own. Two costs soundtracks back to back. Unbelievable, right? (laughs) (laughs) So I don't think you could talk about any 90s number one playlist without talking about I Will
0: Always Love You. Absolutely. I agree. I agree 100%. 93,
2: the list is even smaller.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Man.
2: And now you're coming out of I Will Always Love You and End of the Road. So we just had this pair of ballads. Do you keep leaning into that or do you?
0: Man, I don't know. I love kind of, there's so many huge songs, but. Janet Jackson, that's the way love goes. I mean, Janet and Mariah Carey and these years were just hit, hit, hit factories. I mean, that's the way the love goes. All those videos and just like incredible stuff, especially competing with your brother. (laughs) Right? hit, 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 hit. But that's the way love goes, that's definitely, that would be my pick for 93 for number one hits for sure.
2: There was no denying Janet Jackson in the 90s because Michael Jackson only had two number one hits in the 90s, which was Black or White and You Are Not Alone. And Janet Jackson had six. So this might have been her decade over Michael's, even though Michael's the name that most people automatically go to because of his ridiculous run of hits in the 80s. But now to bounce off of Janet Jackson. Hmm. Oh man, it's tough. I, I, Patreon mixtape or Philip Bergman chimed in with snows and and I won't of lie. I, who I had twelve inches of snow on cassette. I of mean, of course, as everybody knows that. So you would not have had Concalma by Daddy Yankee come out a yeah. few years ago, which was an exact reworking of Informer. If the original wasn't a banger,
0: no, absolutely.
2: However, I don't know if I can go with that because. When there were songs that my parents and I could kind of be on the same page musically with, I always tried to take those moments. And when an artist from their era would release a track that would resonate with me, it was always an excuse to have that musical conversation. And in 1993, Meatloaf dropped, I'd do anything for love, but I won't do that. And I had already been very familiar with "Bad Out of Hell 1. So this was something where we could be listen sure. to "Bad Out of Hell 1 and 2 together as a family. Really? And those memories mean so much to me. And plus, let's be honest, it's a long-ass song to hit number yeah. one for five weeks. Even the radio sure. edit was seven, eight minutes long. And it didn't matter. It was just yeah.
0: that good. Absolutely. It's a great choice. I was toying with that myself. But... I definitely think I listen to that John Jackson record still to this day because it's just that synthetic sound of like the drums and bass and sense of the 90s is just like ah, it oozes of just that awesome pop. I love it. Well, moving into 1994 now, remember we've already
2: used Boys to Men's End of the Road, so we can't go back to the same band twice. So I'll Make Love to You and On Bend and Near Removed. Yeah. So, we have a total of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven songs to choose from because I'll Make Love To You was number one for 14
0: weeks again. Yeah. It's it's crazy how the staying power of, of those songs. I mean, like, I think it would be tough not to pick 1994 of a year like that. Maybe it's not my favorite of songs, but it's still stuck with your head. And she's really played it all these years. But I mean, Lisa Loeb and Nine Stories Stay. I missed you. I mean, like, how many times have you you've sung that at a bar or something like that? Not to say that these other songs you have not, but that video and I don't know what I just saw her and maybe it was it was an old Thirty Rock episode. I think she might have been in. like <laughs> that's just like a timeless of nineteen ninety four. Lisa Loeb. We watched
2: recently. She was on an episode of. Name that tune. And we got a kick out of out of her doing that show. She's got a great radio show over on XM, inter- interviews a lot of great artists. I love Lisa Loeb. She is just Absolutely. one of those people that you hear her voice and you instantly know Absolutely. who it is. It's just such a unique, distinct voice. Believe it or not, my favorite song from Lisa Loeb only cracked the top 20, and that was Do You Sleep, but... Obviously, there's no denying how massive Stay was in 1994. Absolutely. Now, for me, for my 1994 pick, there's only one song I could do, because this is my junior year of high school leading into my senior year of high school. 1994 was when I played senior high school football. And after every win, we would rock one song after a victory in the locker room and to me that song will always put a smile on my face cuz it was always after not we never played it after a loss only the wins <laughs> so every time we got to plug in any kamozi's here comes the hot stepper that means we just won a game i hear that song now and that beat hits i'm back in the oh, locker God. room with my high school buddies celebrating a victory and it just puts a smile on my face. I love the song. And when you're ending a side here, because we are at the end of side a, it kind of balances out with the opening of Madonna's vote for something kind of up
0: and dancy. 100%. That's a banger. I mean, Ace of base. The sign was definitely the one that was speaking to me just of this, the sacchariness of the videos of those family. But I mean, Lisa Loeb stay miss you and yeah I mean Here comes the Hot Stepper was it the that was a banger it still played a lot you could still hear that song for sure Yeah
2: I will be the first to admit that The Sign was definitely the song that was bigger to sure. end the side I, with however I don't have any good memories of dancing yeah, to The Sign sure. but Here comes the Hot Stepper I rocked sure. onto with my boys back in high school I mean I that agree. one just that that one holds a special place but there you have it, folks. Side A of our number one hits of the 90s mixtape, which kicked off with Madonna's Vogue. Alana Miles' Black Velvet. That was 1990. Brian Adams' Everything I Do, I Do It For You and EMF's Unbelievable from 1991. Boys to Men's End of the Road and Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You from 1992. Janet Jackson's That's The Way Love Goes and Meatloaf's I Would Do Anything For Love, But I Won't Do That from 1993 and Lisa Loeb and Nine Stories Stay, and Eni Kamoze's Here Comes the Hot Stepper from 1994. Head over to myweeklymixtape.com to hear all the songs we've discussed in this mix through the playlist embedded on the episode page. Now, Jamie, this past November, the C's released their debut album, Conversations With My Future Self. Yes, it did. Great
0: day. <laughs> it's a great November. <laughs>
2: hearing now is a clip of The Calling, which is the album's opening track. Now, Jamie, thematically, you've said that this album is based on your love for Back to the Future, which I can promise you just made the My Weekly Mixtape listeners' ears perk up.
0: So can you elaborate on that a little bit? Sure. I mean, you teed up it perfectly for what we're doing here with the 90s song experiments, very similar to writing these songs that you're looking for but always taking two steps back. And being Marty McFly and, you know, going into a DeLorean traveling from 1985 kind of seems like what we've been stuck in the last four years during the pandemic, that things were shut down. Do you go outside? Do you stay in? When was it okay? If time felt very weird. And I think we're mm-hmm. still negotiating what timing feels like now. And It gives you ample time to really think about and put things in perspective. And a lot of songs on the album are reflective of what would it be like to go backwards, to go forward, sometimes literally, sometimes veiled. But conversation with my future self is a fascination of if you were to go in the future and have a conversation with yourself, what would that be? What would you say? What would you do? And it's kind of a fascinating thing after we were frozen for a little bit, Um, in those first couple of months in March 2020. And it gave me the perspective to kind of, you know, whoa, there's bigger things at play here, you know, and let's all get together here and and figure out a better way forward.
2: Next up, I'd like to share a clip of the trippy end of scene. This song has a really unique mixture of vibes. I'm hearing this kind of stoner rock riff with elements of psychedelic rock. And it truly feels like in the album's listen, what I would describe as a musical dream sequence. And I'd love to know the background about this song.
0: Yeah. And it's good with side A and side B of a mixtape. It's, was it's a side B of a vinyl, meaning that it's if the first four tracks and in the preceding track moments is more of a calming feel that eases you into a, I like to call like a David Lynchian Red Room Hellscape of coming out of just this weird heaviness and the, the song is about, you know, rain, shine, day, night, feeling this level of getting... Duck and mired in this darkness and coming out into the end of the light with some, you know, the musical changes and the synthesizers are kind of really a throwback to 80s John Carpenter type of soundtracks to have that real feeling like you're watching the thing, but you're listening to a track. (laughs) Being someone who loves a horror movie and sci-fi, yeah, it just has that real emotional quotient to it of, you know, the album is all over the place feel wise and sound wise and that song is definitely definitely one of the heavier ones which we we really enjoy playing
2: well bouncing off that i want to play a song that also has a different vibe from that and i'm going to share a clip of the anthemic voices This is a massive track that comes towards the tail end of the album. And overall, I feel like this album is extremely dynamic when you listen to it as an actual album, from track one all the way to the end. I hear a musical story with definite peaks and valleys in the songs. Did you write this saying, okay, this next song needs to come down a little bit? Or was that something that was just... A perfect exercise in sequencing what you
0: had recorded. Excellent question. In it, I'd be lying if I said it was somewhat conscious at the jump. It kind of all fell together during the process. You know, your subconscious is talking to your your consciousness as like, oh, this all is making sense. It's all dealing with different fields of of loss and yet hope, and you know, voices was. Just the court progression was something I wrote, and then the words came from on my apartment balcony in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, in the summer of 2020 when the first responders were banging on pots and pans and just strumming away, and you really felt this connection, yet you couldn't really connect yet until you could, and it was very kind of like in, you know, uh, biting your thumb and a middle finger to people that were weather. They were saying things weren't as bad as they were or whatever it was when things were kind of chaos. It's like, hey, we could all get together here and do better. We could fight this oppression. We could knock down these walls, you know, whether it's a physical wall or emotional wall, whatever it might be, just, you know, it was kind of written in a way to just peek and say thank you to New York and our resilience during those crazy times when it was a little bit like zombie apocalypse in the beginning of things.
2: Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about conversations with my future self after we get through side B, but let's jump into that now, which if I'm not mistaken, if I'm doing my math correct, we should be starting off with 1995 and I'm kicking off side B. And I think there's only one way you can do it because if you're starting a side of a mixtape, you got to get people's attention right away. And I think in 1995, again, this is senior year in high school for me. Nothing got people's attention more than the six words, this is how we do it, Montel Jordan, inescapable, the song was everywhere, and yet nobody ever said, I'm getting sick of this song. Every time it came on, the place was going insane, and I think it still holds up to this day as a banger of a dance song. So, Montel Jordan, this is how we do it, seven weeks at number one.
0: Yeah, you you took my pick so good. <laughs> I mean, I saw I mean, this talk about a prolific banger of a tune. I mean, I'm going to go a different route and kind of go with a timelessness. And after watching a movie that preceded this one the other day, kind of on brand to take Seal, Kiss from a Rose, watch Batman Returns on a rewatch yesterday, not Batman Forever with Val Kemmer, Who oh, got... Didn't get his just, just do. I... I even though it was the Joel Schumacher, Crazy Universe, but uh, I mean, Kiss from a Rose. I mean, how many times are you singing that in a karaoke? You're like, how many times do you hear? like it's a it's huge it's a seal? I mean, it's a great one. There's so many choices, but I'm going to go with that.
2: He has such an incredible voice. I mean, Crazy is one of those songs back in the early 90s that I was shocked Wasn't a number one hit for him because crazy was everywhere. I love that song so much. I mean, it's a great pick. Obviously the movie, I don't have the greatest of memories of Batman forever. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I should, but I mean, it had a hell of a soundtrack. I will give it that. Between Kiss from a Rose by Seal, you had U2's Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me. You had the Offspring's cover of The Dam's Smash It Up. This soundtrack was awesome. The movie?
0: Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a choice with Jim Carrey as Bredler, Tom Millie jones as Two-Face. Was that Nicole Kidman was in it? I mean, it was, uh, yeah. I enjoyed it in a different way than I've been watching the Batman with Robert Pattinson or the Christopher Nolan verse. (laughs) Totally different vibes there. Very pop corny, just sack, just like shoot in my veins. It's fun and stupid. I would be
2: wrong to not acknowledge the fact that both of us skipped the song that had the longest reign of being a number one in the 90s, which was Mariah Carey and Boys to Men's One Sweet Day. Could not escape it. But we did have Boys to Men on, so maybe Mariah will get her just due at some point here. But moving into 1996, coming out of Montel Jordan and Seal, there's not a ton of number one songs because Los Del Rio's Macarena took it over for 14 weeks. Seems like it was longer than 14 weeks. It, it, it feels like it's still number one right it'll now. Every, one I'm after not going to lie, be. that one did not hold up for me. I I, I still have PTSD. From hearing that song on every radio station, 24-7, around the clock, the video, every dance club, every elevator, every food store, you could not escape the Macarena. And when the song was playing, people were essentially doing the dance, whether it was in the stands or in the elevator or in the food store. That song just PTSD. However. One of the greatest dance songs of the nineties was the song to knock Macarena off the charts and become number one for four weeks, starting in November of 1996. And I'm going to go with black street featuring Dr. Dre. No diggity. I mean, it just, it's fitting the vibe we're going for, for this Ah, side of the tape so far. And that opening, once you hear that, mm -hmm, like that's it. It's going to be nuts. The song has such a unique groove. It works for hip hop and it works for R&B. And yet bands have been able to cover it. Virginia Coalition did a version back in the early 2000s. You had Ollie Brown, who is a blues guitarist, do a blues rock version of it. And every single time it works so well. Why is that? Because the song itself is a friggin' masterclass In catchiness. I mean, Dr. Dre could pretty much do no wrong in the 90s. And what he brought to Blackstreet with this song made a timeless dance classic that I think 30 and 40 years from now will still hold the power it did in November of 96. So I'm going with Blackstreet featuring Dr. Dre. No diggity. No doubt.
0: I'm going to stick with the Interscope records because, I mean, Tupac. How do you want a California love? I mean, just Pac. I mean, that the <laughs> I mean, the label just released those two songs in the same year. I mean, it's like, come on. I mean, those are ridiculous tracks. There's so many other great. I mean, Tony Braxton has two songs. We've even like invoked Tony Braxton as a hit factory, but I'm gonna go to Pac with uh with Casey and Jojo, Dr. Dre. uh How do you want a California Love? Yeah, that's yeah, my Yeah,
2: California Love is Ridiculous, that was originally recorded for the sequel to The Chronic, not The Chronic 2001, but an album called The Chronic 2, A New World Odor, Papa's Got a Brand New Funk. However, that album never came to fruition, so technically that was only a single, it was never on a Tupac album, except for his greatest hits, and the UK version of All Eyes on Me, which doesn't count. Yeah,
3: for sure.
2: I mean, that song is, again, you play it now, and it it's, it's timeless. It's timeless. It fits timeless. in with anything on the radio now and is as good, if not better.
0: Absolutely.
2: Well, I mean, look, if we're talking 90s and we're going into 97 now, there's only one thing you could follow up Tupac with. And we got to go Notorious B.I.G. Hypnotize Life yeah. After Death three weeks at number one, inescapable again. This is how we do it. No diggity, California love and hypnotize. These are all songs you will hear at weddings, parties, dance clubs. They're absolutely timeless. And I I think it's kind of fitting to talk about Tupac and notorious B.I.G. back to back, given their whole story in the nineties as well.
0: hundred percent. Yeah, that was definitely my choice as well. Uh, I mean, I mean, I guess, we'll go with a lasting power that is similar to like Lisa Loeb. You know, I, I mean, Hanson Mbop. I mean, talk about timeless. <laughs> I mean that I, I, when, when, when you see it's three weeks, that doesn't sound again, it seems like it's still stuck in the. So 1997. And I don't mean that in any bad way whatsoever. I mean, that, that was huge. That's all.
2: And it's, Getting a resurgence in 2023 and 2024 due to Busted doing a punk cover of Mbop with the members of Hanson called Mbop 2.0. I have not heard that. (laughs) Honestly, it's wild. And you go back and listen to it and they really, because they're older now, you hear the lyrics a little bit more and you're going, this was actually, for a group of kids, this was actually pretty creative lyrically. Credit where credit's due. Absolutely. And you've got the energy up with Mbop. I don't want to bring it down. And I god, I'm I know he's got some controversy surrounding his name with the slap at everything, but I mean, look, Will Smith getting jiggy with it. Yeah. I just watched the tribute to Fifty Years of Hip Hop and he came out and did a snippet of that song, and the place went nuts still. Yeah, he doesn't curse in his raps to sell records like Eminem blasted on. But this song samples such great music. It's so much fun. And it's one of the few dances I could do where you just kind of keep your fists right in front of your chest. I can handle that. That's like right up my alley. Yeah, I'm going to go Will
0: Smith getting jiggy with it. I love it. No, for sure. I mean, there's so many. This is not my pick. But I mean, as far as Timeless, I mean, Celine Dion, My Heart Will Go On, Titanic. I mean, how much bigger... And you go, then that, I mean, all these tunes, Berenica and Ladies One Week, I mean, Aerosmith, don't want to miss, I mean, when singles off of soundtracks matter, but I mean, to me for Timeless, I'm going to go with Timeless, a record I still listen to, an artist I still, she's insanely talented, Is Lauren Hill, do up That Thing, I mean that- Thank that, you, that,
2: Kurt, yes, thank record. you.
0: The record is, just, all these are the big hit like that we love, love, like that song is, that record is insane, it's insane.
2: The miseducation of Lauren Hill is an absolute masterpiece. I mean, I love the Fugees. Don't get me wrong. Nothing but love for the Fugees. Miseducation
0: is... is, It's on
2: another level. It's on another level. It's an absolute masterpiece. And we each have one pick left, and it's both from 99. And I just had Desmond Child on the show a few weeks ago, so I feel guilty not going with Livin' La Vida Loca, but I'll be honest. He tells such a great story about that song. Go back and listen to the Desmond Child episode to hear some stuff about that. I mean, but no scrubs, believe by Cher, baby yeah, one more Oops. time by Britney Spears. Oh my God!
0: This is like the real you know '99, and it's not because it was the precipice of the millennium, but it really has that real stark change of the late '90s of going into the end sync. Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, you know, the TRL, not saying any of this is bad. I'm just saying just as as an observer of- Yeah, the uh, wheels were in motion. This was a distinct shift in 1999, for sure.
2: Well, I have to go with a song that, because I feel like I could throw an asterisk on this one for when we do number one songs of the 2000s, because I am going to choose the last number one hit of the decade- Santana featuring Rob Thomas, Smooth, from Supernatural, spent 12 weeks at number one from October 23rd, 1999 to January 8th, 2000. So this song I can actually use in number one hits of the 90s and 2000s, which to me is absolutely insane. And to this day, I still love this song. There's something that's so much fun about it. Rob Thomas's voice is perfect. And then, look, I've loved Santana's guitar since the 70s. He found a way to make his music relevant in the late 90s. And Supernatural was a juggernaut like no other. You think about the stuff he did with Everlast on that album. And then it stretched into future albums. And to me, he could have been on just like the classic rock touring circuit. But instead of doing that, he made himself relevant to a point where I'd go as far as to say he was bigger with Smooth than anything he did. Oye Como Va, Black Magic Woman, any of it in the 70s, Smooth was bigger.
0: No, I would agree with that. That was, you know, one of, in an old, old band, one of my first bands after college, we released a record and the engineer on it, John Seymour, he was one of the associate engineers and he worked on that record. Oh, wow. I mean, all like that. So it was like, heard some like, amazing stories of the selflessness Carlos Santana from as a musician in his tutelage to RS, It was, that was, it was pretty cool. I mean, I'm going to just go just because to give the love as closing out the 90s, handing off. I'm, and I love this song to this day. You know, Mariah Carey with Jay Z, Heartbreaker. I mean, we just wrapped up a decade and. She's on every year. <laughs> and I mean, you, it's just like when you really look at it and you reflect. I mean, she's an incredible artist, musician, and she absolutely owned the 90s in so many ways. Yeah.
2: 14 number one hits Insane. in the decade, more than double the next. Largest, which was Janet Jackson at six. (laughs) Crazy. She owned the 90s. And honestly, you and I would be doing this playlist a disservice if we didn't mention her in this discussion. I'm going to finalize my
0: pick with that one.
2: And I could not agree more. There you have it, folks. Side B of our number one hits of the 90s playlist, which kicked off with 1995. Montel Jordan's This Is How We Do It and Seal's Kiss from a Rose, 1996. 1996. Blackstreet with Dr. Dre, No Diggity, and Tupac featuring Casey and JoJo, Dr. Dre again, and Roger Troutman, California love. 1997, Notorious B.I.G.'s Hypnotize and Hanson's Mbop. 1998, Will Smith's Getting Jiggy With It and Lauren Hill's Doo Wop That Thing. And finishing it up with 1999, Santana with Rob Thomas, Smooth, and Mariah Carey with Jay-Z, Heartbreaker. Head over to myweeklymixtape.com to hear all the songs we've discussed in this mix through the playlist embedded on the episode page. Now, Jamie, The C's have conversations with my future self out. It's been out since this past November. Can you talk about what you've got going on in 2024 to help promote the album in terms of live shows and other ventures?
0: Right now, we're trying to wrap up some touring for the year. So that is all in the works. I would love to get those dates out there, but you know, trying to figure out uh, scheduling and all those things. As far as we're actually going a couple of weeks to go record a couple of choice cover songs, speaking of hits that uh, we like to play live. And you know, it's not like a spoiler because if you've seen us play, you've seen them. We've been covering In Excess, Never Tear Us Apart, and Simple Minds, nice. Don't You Forget About Me. And they just, it's it's very humbling to try to attempt. And I say try to attempt to sing Michael Hutchins' vocals, but it feels great. We're good. we put our little like flavor on it, so we're gonna start tracking those in a couple of weeks. And for me, it's always about the next album, the next record. And from a live perspective, I always like playing a cover set, especially change that up and make them fresh. It brings people into the audience that they've never listened to the songs. So the goals for 2024 is we'll hopefully have some dates posted in the, in the coming weeks. Um, we'll be recording some covers and then probably start work on the next record, maybe later this summer. Yeah. But that's all, all the things in motion that we're excited about. Well, you have to promise
2: to keep me posted on both of those covers because don't you forget about me and never tear us apart are two songs that I play with Colburn and company. They're both amazing tunes and God, Never Tear Us Apart could be my all-time favorite in excess tune. Brian Fallon from the Gaslight Anthem, his group the Horrible Crows, did a really unique version of it. But after hearing your album, I'm curious to hear what
0: you guys are going to bring to that song. It's pretty true to the recording, but it also feels just the way how it's recorded, and you know the, the timing of it. It just it just seems a little bit more more rock to it, but I mean, that's just innately how it's going to sound. And I listen to that song religiously and it's with Yoni on our keyboards and synthesizers and Alex on bass. They've kind of conjured this collective sound to really get the strings, but also this bottom end to it that's really awesome. And Tim, our drummer, really holds it down. I mean, playing simple minds, don't you? Forget about me I'm like I told the I'm like Tim. This is all for you, just to to play the drum fill of the ending. I mean, that's really just my, <laughs> you just my want to. This is my gift to you. <laughs> you just want to live in a John Hughes film, film world, and it's just like you just build up to it, and it just it just pops, and it's so much fun. And and I think people love covers. You know, we're not a cover band, but you know, it's I think it's important. Especially in the first, you know, after release, a lot of material to to get people and be there for fans and prospective new fans that you know you want to give them something tethered that they could oh I recognize that they could hate it that's not ter- <laughs> too let's hope that's not the case but <laughs> well, you want to give something you know that you're you're playing to people that it's a worthy the entertainment business right you want to entertain and not try to take yourself too too seriously.
2: Amen to that. Well, if people want to learn more about The Seas and connect with you on social media and come out to a show, how can they go about in doing that?
0: Yeah, they could follow The Seas' the Instagram page at, uh, at The Seas Music. We are not on Twitter, so it's really just Instagram, the website, theseasmusic.com. I think that's pretty much the, your best hub to go. The record is currently streaming on Spotify, Apple Music. Pandora, you could stream it there. It's on Tidal. It's on all the places you could download it and stream to listen to it. And we sell vinyl records at the shows.
2: Well, Jamie, this has been an absolute blast.
0: Thank you so much for joining me on my weekly mix. Thank eight. you so much, Brian, for having me. Appreciate it. It's a great time.
2: And remember, mixtapers, you can find my weekly mixtape on almost all of the social media haunts at my weekly mixtape. You can also head to myweeklymixtape.com to check out the full catalog of my weekly mixtape episodes. And if you like what you're hearing on the show, you can help me out by either telling a friend, leaving the show a five-star review wherever you're tuning in, or becoming a Patreon mixtaper at patreon.com forward slash mixtape. That's all for this week. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, enjoy the tunes.
3: It's NFL Draft Season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football.